Brandon Spavi. We are the Mark Out Movie Podcasters. And on today's episode, we're talking to horror special effects icon guru, the dude, Joe Castro. How you doing, brother? Aaron, hi, Brandon. I'm doing good hey. today. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a, it's a real honor and a privilege to be here on the show with both of you. And um, I hope you're having an awesome October so far. How's everything going in your world? Me, uh, I just got off work. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's good. I was looking forward to uh, this interview. Um, got to look at some of your some of your uh, hits this uh, this week, just to kind of get my my palate wet for uh, for your your for your work, my man. It's pretty awesome, Brandon. What about yourself? I'm doing pretty uh, good. I'm yeah, actually. Last night I watched Terror Tunes, and we're gonna talk about it because <laughs> I I want to I just gotta know how this came about. Honestly, I mean it, it was it was fascinating to watch this on screen. It was fascinating, and I I don't know. I just I was blown away by it because I didn't know. I, I just don't. I just gotta know how it all happened. How it came out, really honestly, I, it was something. Well, uh, I don't. Most people don't know, but the original Terror Tunes was the entire movie was made for twenty three hundred dollars, and um, the the whole movie was shot in three days, and it was um, filmed uh, uh, in a friend of mine's house, uh, uh, and uh, there was only one. We only had time to do one take for each shot. Because uh, that's all the money we had, and that's how we were going to do it. You know, the, the whole movie was based on um, how they used to shoot the actual science fiction horror movies back in the uh, 1950s and 60s. Uh, there were independent films. They would shoot. Um, uh, they would shoot a movie in three days, and they would shoot it. Uh, they would only have enough money in the budget to shoot one take every time they they they, they shot a take, and um, you know, if they made a mistake in the middle of the take, they would just sh cut to another angle and continue filming from where they left off because they're, they're, that's how they made movies and that's how we, we made the original Terror Tunes. Yeah. Uh, as far as the idea of how it came about, that yeah. is, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, the whole movie came about, uh, it was inspired by this. Um, evil cartoon cat that a friend of mine and I saw driving to a movie set one day. A friend of mine and I were driving to a movie set to create special effects. Uh, and um, we were in the car and there was a car in front of us and there was some evil looking cartoon cat on the back of the car in front of us on a bumper sticker. 
and uh, we were both looking at it, and I forget who said what, but one of us said, "Hey, you know, there's never been a a movie with cartoon killers, but like actual cartoons that are like three dimensional in the real world." And then the one of us said, then the other one said, "Yeah," and then they could like kill people with like giant cartoon weapons but you would die for real and it would be really gross and bloody and uh and we both looked at each other and we're like that's a great idea we should do it and that's how the movie happened yeah that's amazing awesome. um i um i want to ask you about that because brandon jumped to that movie first before yeah i didn't mean that's to fine. That's, that's cool <laughs> but uh i was gonna ask you i noticed in the movie uh you actually cast um a uh, former pro wrestler, uh, Lizzie Borden. How was it working with her in that in that film? There's there's the there's the DVD. I'm gonna, yeah, Lizzie's in this. I think Lizzie's on the. She's you can't see it. She's right. She's right here. Lizzie Borden is there. She is. Let me see if I get close enough. Lizzie's one of my one of my good friends right there. Mm-hmm. Lizzie's one of my good friends. Uh, I consider her family. Um, you know, uh, she's an artist herself. At the time, she was directing her own shot on video films, and uh, uh, most people know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, she, um, she's a, she's a real character. She's a super talented lady, and uh, like totally, she's so professional about everything she does. You when you put her on camera, she just steals every scene she's in. She knows how to perform and. Um, yeah, she's in uh she's in every Terratunes movie except for part two. Uh part two, I went a totally different route with part two. Here's the here's the box cover for Terratunes 2. And uh we we went a different route with that one, but she's in Terratunes one and three, and she's gonna be in Terratunes four as well. You said Terratunes two uh, uh, when I, I was you before that it was like uh, Terratune two is a uh, standalone, correct? Say that again. Terra Tunes 2 is more like a standalone, you said, right? Yeah, it's a standalone film. It doesn't really bring back any of the uh, uh, characters from the first film. It's Terra Tunes 1 and Terra Tunes 3 are direct sequels to each other. Um, and um, Part 4 will also be a direct sequel in some ways to 1 and, two, one and 3. Uh, but uh, yeah, we just went a totally different route with Part 2. Um, and... Uh, yeah 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 i love working with lizzie I, 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 she she has her own uh in Terratunes four she has her own uh Terratunes four is an anthology film and actually we just started the indiegogo campaign uh for Terratunes four yesterday so go to my facebook page which is uh joe uh facebook.com backslash joe castro uh joe.castro and um Reach out, say hello, but check out the Indigo campaign there. And uh, as Lizzie has, uh, uh, hey, what y'all doing? She's she's yeah. got a she's got a big chunk of the film. Uh, it's an anthology. Part four is an anthology film, and um, she uh, uh, she's got a big portion of it. And uh, I can't wait to see what she does. In it. Right. Um, I was gonna ask you about because um, in watching Terratunes one. I noticed the uh, the care that you took with the with the body horror as far as as far as like uh, pulling out of uh, 
organs and stuff like that and uh, cutting off of the guy's brain and stuff and pulling out the uh, inside of the brain. I was wondering, do you do you study anatomy in order to kind of get things down? Because it looked very realistic. Like, I mean, I I do more now today than I did then. I think back then it was just a matter of, you know, looking at images uh, that inspired me to do something like that. But uh, today, trying to perfect my craft, I look more, more and more. I study stuff online. I Google images and uh, and really try to make things look as absolutely realistic. Okay, Brandon, you got a question? Oh uh, yeah, I, since I started uh, at Heritage, I, I will go back a little bit because I was looking you up, researching you a little bit, and. Um, I was curious who inspired you to get into special effects in the beginning. And uh, okay, so you want to know what inspired me to get into special yeah. effects at the beginning? Yeah, I see. Yeah, you know, well, you know, growing up, I grew up in South Texas, and um, I, you know, like any other young 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 boy, I like dinosaurs, I like dragons, and uh, you know, one afternoon back in 1977, my dad. And then he said, I want you to watch this, son. You're going to like this movie. Uh, and it was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And sure enough, um, when I saw that film, I knew before it was over what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I wanted to make monsters and make special effects for movies. And uh, that movie alone, standalone, inspired me to become a special effects artist. Awesome. I have to say, your special effects are amazing. Uh, like you. the pictures I've seen you post, or even in Terror Tunes, it was it was something to see. I mean, it was. Good uh, I appreciate that very much. You're welcome. I was yeah. amazed with uh, your um, looking at from Terror Tunes to. Uh, so you also worked on another little film that. I like, I, did, I realized that you worked on uh, is Campfire Tales. Um, it says, Which one? Campfire Tales. Oh, Campfire Tales, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, did you do the I'm going to get, I'm going to be real honest with you about that film. I've never even seen that film. <laughs> I worked on it and I've never even seen it. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember things about it. This was like 1996, I think I want to say. Uh, that I worked on it. A couple of people was in it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a, it has its own cult following. Um, I don't remember much about that movie. I just remember being on set and um, throwing blood all over the set walls because it had to look like a massacre took place and. Um, I remember that the uh, art director was like, don't get too much blood on the walls because we have to shoot this scene tomorrow without blood on the same walls. And and so we put a little blood on one of the walls and the director said, no, I want more blood on the walls. So we put a little bit more blood and the art director would be like, don't, don't do that because I have to clean it up. And, and so we were fighting between the art director telling us not to put blood on the walls and the director putting blood on the walls. And that's really, to be honest with you, all I remember from that from that movie shoot. But uh, yeah, I have a I have one picture of myself from that movie set 
with my friend who was one of the co-creators of the original terror tunes and he um him and i have our hands are covered in blood and i said i want to get a picture of this because i'll never forget this moment uh the art director telling us not to put blood on the walls and the director telling us to put more blood on the walls so uh that's yeah that was my 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 memory from that film yeah yeah it was actually my favorite. Uh, that segment that you worked on that you haven't seen was actually my favorite segment within the whole the whole anthology. That's uh, what people so, say. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And and um and with that, yeah. you uh you've come a long way from like from the teratones. Uh, but not saying that because it was really good then. But I think that your stuff even is like even better now because you uh perfected your craft so thank you thank you for saying that yeah i mean i've been doing this for 39 years now and i think that um you know when you continue to try to um do your very best and um you know you're uh i'm very focused on what i want to do with my career and what i want to do with my life and when i want to become better at what i do in ways that other people haven't even considered you know that's my whole goal is to is to make my craft amazing and um you know there of course there's a lot of naysayers out there and and uh i just got to prove them wrong and keep going moving forward and and doing the next right thing and uh uh that's it that's it you know i just gotta uh i'm, I'm only I'm, I'm what is it i'm my my biggest uh, uh my biggest uh, challenge is uh, or how how they say it my, the only person i'm chasing racing is myself you know i'm just trying to make Trying to better myself, better than what I'm doing now. You know? so. Yeah, I, I definitely understand. Go ahead, Brandon. All right, all right, all right. So before we started, as you talked about the summer of the massacre being the the biggest kill count in the history of a slasher film, was that always the goal to to get that record when you were shooting this movie? About, let me, let yeah. Me see, here's this: the summer of massacre. I wish I could. And does it, let me see. Can I get there? It is right there. The Summer of Massacre. Oh, it's weird doing it in reverse. The summer, uh, the summer of Massacre is the uh, is the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slasher movie. There's 155 kills on screen. And um, when I was making the film, I wanted to set a Guinness Book of World Record. And it was very hard to keep that secret from the entire cast and crew while we were making it. The movie is an anthology film, and so I didn't. Get, we didn't give anybody the script, so people just had pieces and parts of it, and um, and then we we didn't tell anybody what we were doing. So when it happened, it was a big a big surprise, you know. Um, and um, yeah, it's one of my most my most proud accomplishments with my friend Steven Escobar. We produced it together, and uh, actually went to school to learn how to use After Effects in order to do a lot of the special effects in the film. There are a lot of practical effects, but a lot of it's digital as well. And, um, uh, you know, this was 2010, 2011, when I was going to CGI school to learn how to do this stuff, you know. And um, I was shooting the movie as we were doing, as I was going to school. So it was kind of, it was a challenge. And I was uh, using a lot of my classwork uh, in the film. So I would like, you know, I would I would go to school to learn something and then I would apply whatever I was learning in school to the actual film and um, uh, you know I, I guess it's kind it's kind of a first of its kind too that film a lot of people will look back on it and say that 
you know, the CGI is, uh, uh, is, is not up to par with what people are doing in movies today, but you have to consider it was the first of its kind when we were doing it. And, um, yeah, you know, even eight years later, it, everything's come a long way, but, um, uh, like the original terror tunes, it was also the first of its kind. Uh, this was the, the original terror tunes was made in, uh, 2001 and, uh, all the technology used in that film. You know, you can find on Snapchat today or, you know, whatever, Instagram or whatever. Uh, but back 20 years ago, no one knew how to do it. And um, my partner, Steven, himself, how to use the programs to do those computer effects in that film. And it was also the first kind. Yeah. What I, what I like about um, with Terror Tunes is it seems like everybody that was on the shoot had fun. Have fun. It looks like um, just the the gang getting together and shooting the shooting the film, putting in long hours. But just at the end of it, you have a movie and a product that that uh, you're proud of because you know the, the of the um, love and attention that went into it. So, what was it like, uh, like him, like having your own film to put together and put out there like that? Well, you know, the, when we made that movie, um, I don't even remember how long it took us to, in pre-production to set it up to shoot it. I think we had like two weeks to put the whole thing together. I, we didn't even have auditions. I just, uh, the, I think the, the screenplay was written in like a week. And the, uh, the people that were in the film were just friends of mine that I was working with at the time that I asked if they would want to be in the film. And I said, uh, I don't have any money to pay you. But what we can do, what we're going to do is we're going to shoot the whole movie in three days. So you're going to, I'll, I'll need three days of your time to make this movie. And then when we're done, by the time the weekend's done, you will be in, in, a, in a feature late motion picture. And I asked them if they would do it. And they said, yes. And, um, you know, we, they showed up on set. And uh, the first day we filmed, I think it was a 12-hour day. And then the second day we filmed was a 17-hour day. And then the third day we filmed... We shot for 25 hours and, um, you know, it was just, uh, pretty knew that, you know, it was going to be a three day, you know, a one take wonder, uh, of each shot. It was exciting because they all knew that it was going to be done and we were all going to make a movie and it was going to be for real. You know? Yeah. Amen. That's cool. Brandon. Oh Yeah. Um, so I was, I was looking you up, as I said earlier, and it says you won your first film award, uh, for the movie ceremony. Yeah. Did you feel like at that moment you, you were going for big things? You, you were going to accomplish everything you set out to. Well, when I made that, that first movie was, uh, it's titled ceremony and it's, um, you know, it, it, that movie was shot on 30. Five millimeter Panavision. It was kind of a big deal, you know. Back in the day, when you made a movie, the movies were um, uh, very expensive. It's very expensive to make a film. It's, it's not like today, and um, it, it just took a lot. You know, we had twenty people on the crew. I had a costume department, a makeup department. I had um, sound department. We had, you know five people operating the camera and uh, the grip and lighting and you know panavision was involved there was insurance for the cameras 
we had film stock uh, developing and transfer and um, color correction uh, when we transfer the 35 millimeter print to digital or to not even to digital but to analog beta tape so you could be edited non-linear at the time non-linear editing is where you have to edit the film in order that it was in order you start at the beginning on tape and it as you go along it's a very different time you know than it is today non-linear editing today you know you can edit any part any time and you can take out and put back at any place where you want back in the day if you were editing on analog tape you couldn't do that you have, would you would just have to leave a blank space you'd estimate i need leave leave second there because his head's gonna come off we haven't shot that shot yet and continue editing the rest of the movie and then you go back and you have to you only had one second you know in your, in your on your master yeah. uh, i was a very different time. yeah i thought it was you know, i thought um, you know that was the way to go when we were doing it and then digital and exploded and non-linear editing exploded and we no longer had to do everything on film and uh film has slowly faded away and it's no longer really kind of exists it's kind of ancient it's like uh, taking out a record player you know, play a song, you don't really need to do it today. You can find the same track on Shazam or iTunes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He brought up Shazam. <laughs> yeah, I remember Shazam. Well, I guess there I, is, yeah, Shazam's still, still a thing, too. Yeah, I, I forget about that. Yeah, I, I, um, I, 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 was, I was in Target over the summer, and I had never heard, or some new song. It was like a, a, a remix of... Um, an old song by Donna Summer, and I wanted to know who sang it, and I held it up to the sound system in Target, and and sure enough, it gave me who the artist was. So yeah, so I use Shazam all the time. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask about the. Uh, I want to ask about. I don't know. I'm gonna probably steal this from Brandon, and I apologize, because Brandon is the big Friday Thirteenth guy. All right, so. Uh, I see that you was, you worked on uh, Vengeance, Friday uh, Thirteen Vengeance. I, uh, I believe you worked with the decapitation scene. Uh huh. Yes, that's correct. That was by far my favorite scene in the movie. It came out of oh, nowhere okay. for me, and I, I literally dro jaw dropped and was like, "Oh wow, okay, okay." It was it was really awesome. Uh, how do you? How did you pull off uh, going from uh, like a real person to a practical, I, I assume a practical um, prop essentially. And it was so seamless. Yeah. And I guess part of it too is the editing, but it's so seamless. Yeah. yeah I actually, hold on a second. Hold on. <laughs> He'll be back guys. He'll be back. He's going to go get a prop. Well, the Jason Brooks came down to here. Here it is. Here's the here's what's left of the head. Three years later, honey. Jason Brooks came down to uh, L.A. from uh, up there in uh, Washington, and uh, I made a life cast of his head. And I have to give credit to Don Shell, Don, a producer on the movie, and he, he uh, reached out to me on Facebook and became my friend and was talking with me and um, asked me to be a part of the a part of this. Um, this kill scene, uh, you know, it was a crowdfunded movie, and Don Chell was one of the crowdfunding. 
and uh, part of his um, crowdfunding uh, uh, duties was he got to design his uh, his de uh, death sequence and got to play Jason in the film. So um, Jason Brooks, who plays Jason in the film, was the guy killed, and Don Shell, the producer, got to get into the Jason costume and kill Jason in that scene. So Don and I uh, figured out how we were going to do the death together with me and uh, asked me if I would do the, the special effects for it. So yeah, Jason flew down to LA uh, for an afternoon. Basically, he showed up at like noon uh, at the Burbank airport and I picked him up and brought him over to the house and um, we made the life cast of his uh, head and then I poured it up in silicone and then we went to eat lunch early dinner and then I drove him back to the airport and uh, uh, um, did part of my my uh, then I got to go up on set and work with CJ Graham and Jason Brooks and Don Shell and Jeremy Brown the director and uh, I got a chance to do a couple of uh, help out on a couple of other deaths and I wanted to stay longer but I I, I just couldn't uh, my schedule was uh, really uh, uh, very fortunate to have a lot of work right now and uh, at the time, I was very busy with uh, working on Justin Seaman's movie, The Barn 2, and uh, I had deadlines that needed to be completed for that film, so I had to get back to L.A. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, we, we made a silicone dummy of Jason, and, um, uh, you know, we uh, we, we, we did uh, pulled the, all the old-school 80s techniques to rip off, rip off his head. That's amazing. I and love it. It. I love you. I love what you do. <laughs> I do. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Aaron was very correct when he said I was a big Friday the 13th fan. And this kind of goes with that question a little bit. If right. if you could pick your dream character to do special effects for, who would it be? Oh, oh, oh uh, I'd like to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, wow. That's a that's a tough question. It would, it would, it would, I'm going to probably be a toss up between Jason and uh, and uh, Godzilla. How about that? I would love oh, to see I that. I didn't see that. That was that was the, that was <laughs> yeah. the curveball yeah. there. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I would that. love to see that. Yeah, I would love it, man. That would be awesome to work on a Godzilla uh, flick. Um, well, for me, like I, yeah, I understand it. what you yeah, meant by the editing. Yeah, I, I would want to do it totally old school with like people in monster suits and giant sets, and you know, like maybe to add some digital, but. I would want it to be all, all, all practical Godzilla stuff, like just like classic Toho studio style stuff with buildings and smashing things around and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it in a studio though. I think I think most of the mistakes they make, like I would, I would shoot it exterior though. I would build all my sets exterior. Toho likes to do everything interior, so all their skylines and backgrounds are all you know giant paintings and stuff and i think uh they need to move away from that and like build all their sets out exterior and shoot them you know night and you know really just just you know upgrade the craft i mean what happened was digital came in and it it stopped the learning process of all the special effects artists that were doing practical effects and then now you got this new tool and so they stopped you know, they stopped trying to improve their craft. And I think there's still so much further to go when it comes to doing miniatures and um, all that stuff that they used to do back in the day with uh, practical effects and Godzilla movies. 
I'd like to keep moving forward with that. So if you get a chance Do to watch Terror Tunes Part Three. If you get a chance, I'm gonna say if you get a chance to watch Terror Tunes Part Three. I I I, I do a, a whole bunch of a giant practical sets out, out exterior outdoors in the film uh, that are really great in the film. So uh, there's a giant feel- uh, monster in the film that's uh, well, I was to say that's uh, made out of uh, human body parts and it's kind of like a big blob. And uh, we I built a whole bunch of miniature sets in the film that uh, if you like old, all old school practical effects, you'll really like Terror Tunes Three. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I definitely would. I was gonna say, uh, do you feel like a couple of things? One, will you ever release like a box set of all the Terra Tunes? Because that'd be awesome. And uh, well, and two, uh, second one, do you feel that uh, do you feel that people rely more on CGI and stuff, and and it's and needs to kind of learn some of the old like the the practical effects and blend it like you were saying, blending it to make it. Its own thing. Yeah, those are good questions. One, uh, uh, right now, uh, for the in tunes four. Now, Terror Tunes four is already most of it's in the can. We've got 60 percent of the movie already shot, and we're trying to raise funds for the last forty uh, percent of the film for this giant climactic battle scene in the film. And we're inviting the fans and uh, uh, Hollywood professionals to come and. And be a part of the climax of the film uh but one of the perks for the movie is the terror tunes quadrilogy which is terror tunes one through four as a box set and it also includes uh terror tunes 1.5 and uh, a whole bunch of behind the scenes uh footage from all all four films are going to be on the box set so that that's that's one of the perks you can get it now and then also to answer your other question yeah i i think that um there is a whole genre of people a whole a whole uh you know a family of people that appreciate practical effects and i think that using the computer can be done in a way that it's like a smooth blend of both as opposed to one dominating the other i mean i like to even i like to take my practical effects and 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 like you know finesse it with a little bit of digital to clean things up a little bit or just to add a little bit of stuff to it I think that's when it works the best. Um, but like creating something solely from scratch in the computer, you know, I think uh, uh, if you can go to school and learn how to do it, it's really not so much an art form anymore. And a lot of people can go to school, they can learn how to push a couple of buttons and they can, you know, grab this model over here and add this skin to it and then put that light on it. You know, anybody can push that button and, and do it. It's not really an art form anymore. I think people have lost the, uh, uh the uh the flavor of cgi because a lot of people can do it it's not really an art anymore and there are a couple of people that i'm sure that that still try to improve the technology and and make it mind-blowing and astounding to look at but most of it is basically color by number stuff you know that's pre-built pre-made and pre-packaged like a mcdonald's hamburger <laughs> Uh, Go ahead, for my last question, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, as a filmmaker, when you get a script I, from whoever sends you a script, uh, what are you really looking for Like, wh- that stands out to you? Well, most of the um, conversations I have before I even read the script is what I'm really interested in with the director. 
I'm wondering, is the director going to, A, if they don't have the money to do this in a way that is, I'm accustomed to, are they going to be able to at least photograph it and show, showcase my work in a way that's going to be uh, beneficial to all the hard work I'm going to put into creating it? If I'm yeah. not getting paid, you know, my, my regular rate, then how how do I go how do I go about ensuring that the director is going to uh, use me correctly? And you know, because practical effects haven't really been in the limelight uh, so much in the past couple of decades, a lot of directors today don't really know how to use them, and they don't know how to use their special effects artists, uh, you know, in a way that's that they're getting the maximum punch out of well what the artist is bringing to the film so you know when i'm talking with these directors about working on their movies they're you know I, i'm making sure hey are you going to listen to me when i'm on set when i'm giving you advice about how to photograph it uh are you going to give me creative uh, liberty to, to uh, you know create something new or are you just going to copy and paste and ask me to build that and um you know I, i'd like to make things that are truly original I like to make things that are going to be memorable and uh i want my work to be showcased in a way that it's kind of like its own you know the effects should be their own character they shouldn't be they shouldn't be forgettable yeah. they should be even if they're even if they're bad they should be memorable you know if yeah, they're cheap uh, they should be memorable yeah. i completely uh, I agree was, i was uh, thinking about like in watching xenophobia uh i was thinking about how the the alien how like realistic it looked and plus there was uh puppet it looks like there's puppetry going on as well with the eye movements and and the uh, facial uh movements and just i was blown away i was blown away also by your your cinema your cinematography in that film too because uh, coming from like <laughs> i watched so i watched terror tune first <laughs> and then i watched xenophobia i wanted to kind of go yeah. to a progression of of, of your work and um, you're right. And I was amazed by it. I was amazed by the uh, what you did with it. Well, you know, you want to you want to look at your career and hopefully. You know, acknowledge the fact that you haven't made the same movie over and over again, which a lot of directors do. And when I made Xenophobia with my partner, Stephen, executive producer and the post-production supervisor and you know he, he it's basically his film steven and i've been wanting to make this movie for 20 years we've been together for 23 years i actually uh came up with the idea uh 26 years ago before i met my partner steven and uh, kind of like all the stars aligned two years ago when we decided to make xenophobia but we've been wanting to make that film for many 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 years and, um found a team of people we thought would be able to and if you, I, I tell people, if you like, like kind of like the Star Wars cantina scene and you like movies from the uh, sci-fi horror movies from the eighties, then you, you will like xenophobia. It kind of has, it kind of has that kind of element to it. I like, I try to do all practical aliens in the film. Uh, and, um, but I, I, I'll let you in a little secret. All the puppetry was done digitally. So I the aliens practically, but I animated them. I, that, that's what I like to do. I like to build it practical i like to have everything done uh, i like to start with something real 
and then I'll augment it digitally, which kind of makes it really cool. You know, a whole new look that most people don't do that these days. They'll, you know, they'll either build the alien digitally and that's what you'll see, or they'll build the alien practically and they'll have mechanisms in the eyes to make it blink. But to do the smooth blend of both of them, what I think works best. Yeah. And it worked really well. So all that stuff, like where his nose is, when the nose is opening like this and the eyes are blinking and there's this, you know, whispering or whatever, all that stuff is done. Yeah. Yeah. Done digitally. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Um, that. I was going to leave you with, well, before I was going to ask you one more question and then I will turn it over to how we can find out more about Terra Tunes 4, what you want people to do, uh, how they can, you know, because uh, I, I think that it's going to be, it's such a great opportunity that you're giving people. Uh, but before I get there, let me say, um, you, who are the makeup artists and people that inspired you before you? And what do you do? What do you suggest to those that want to come in? Maybe there's a kid that's at here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, at Western Kentucky University that is in the art department but wants to get into creating uh, makeup and special effects. What do you tell those people? Who inspired you? That's a great question. So um, <clears throat> I would have to say, growing up, uh, you know, um, a man that influenced me greatly. There's a couple of men. One would be um, uh, Tom Savani. And Tom Savani is a very well-known. Uh, he's, I think he's called the, he's the king of king of slashers. I think it's what he, I think it's the name, he's the king of slasher films. And um, uh, Tom, back in 1982, when I was 12 years old, uh, I think, let's see, I think he's 75 now, maybe 76. So that sex machine is still is, out there, man. He's still he's still out there. Yeah, he's, I think he I think he's twenty five years older than me. So when I was twelve, he was how old was he when I was twelve? Twelve, twenty four, thirty four. He was thirty seven, thirty eight when I was twelve years old, and um, he would literally pick up. He would literally answer my phone calls when I would call. I called him on the phone when I was twelve years old, and he would talk with me on the phone about how to. Do all kinds of special effects stuff. Like he taught me how to load uh, air into a chemical fire extinguisher, and described all kinds of different techniques to me on the phone because I would ask him all kinds of questions about how he would do stuff and like Dawn of the Dead and Creep Show and whatnot. And um, uh, he he influenced me greatly. I have nothing but kind words to say about that man. And um, uh, he is also a, a a man that did so many unique and original things and he has been copied and duplicated and Xeroxed in so many different ways throughout filmmaking and out throughout horror, you know, and people just don't give him enough credit for all the amazing things he invented for us. So Tom was a big inspiration for me. Um, and then, um, you know, as far as giving us to, um, young people that want to do anything creative in the film industry, uh, I, I would I would just say, um, you know, you just got to keep uh, upgrading your craft and remain teachable. A lot of young people that know have a little bit of knowledge, um, they tend to forget that there's always someone better and and uh, has something to teach them. And uh, if you remain teachable, you will always be 
become better and better. And um, uh, some of the most uh, amazing stuff I've learned has been from uh, just uh, chance, you know, learning on a movie set from someone that has something to offer. For, uh, the more I remain teachable, the more the better I become at what I do. And um, you know, I think that uh, uh, you're either in it or you're not. You know, I mean, a lot of people give up. Most people give up. Most people do. You know, uh, most people try it for a while and and they don't get the results they want because they believe they should be somewhere else where they are at. And the truth is, you are where you are when you were there. Um, and uh, only you can determine whether or not it's time to bail out or keep going forward. And, um, you know, I hope to be 99 years old and uh, having some young director, producer pick me up from my house and drive me to a movie set to create full effects for their film. And um, it would be great to, you know, have me have them pick me up uh, in the morning and do some special effects on somebody and have lunch with the cast and crew and have them drive me home uh, for the second half of the day. And uh, that would be an ideal way to live out my golden years. Uh, I've been doing this for 39 years and I have another 39 years left in me and uh, yeah, pretty easy to work with. Uh, most people think that either they can't afford me or that they wouldn't know how to work with me. But, uh, uh, if you reach out to me on Facebook, which is a great way to reach me, I'm there every day. Um, you know, if you want to want me to work on your movie, you know, strike up a conversation. We can make it happen. I'm sure we can find a way to do it. Hey, Amen. That's pretty awesome. That is um, awesome. That's awesome. Brandon, you want to say something real quick? Uh, you know, uh, I, th I think it's a true blessing for you to join us. Uh, honestly, uh, we're honored that you would do this i mean honestly and i i'm i'm a massive horror fan but you know like for me seeing you what you've done i would love to see you work on the thing that reboot they're doing uh with practical effects uh i think you would be amazing that for, 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 area for, for which film for which film the thing bloom house is oh, doing the, the thing oh thing. yeah 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 uh, i would, I would love to, to, to do that yeah yeah and I just think it's that's where I could see you going, and I hope you you reach all your dreams, man. I, I think you're great. Absolutely. Thank you very much for saying that, Brandon. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. you, Aaron. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And, so if you ever get uh, out before, to LA, go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say no. Go ahead, because I like invitations to LA. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I've never been there. Out to LA. You ever make it out to LA? You may. Make sure you reach me before you get here so we can hang out and grab coffee or dinner or something like that and talk shop. And uh, yeah, LA is a great fun place, you know, people, um, people not knock the West coast, you know, but, uh, and it's nice out here. It's real nice. Yeah. You know, that's why everybody moves out here. And uh, there's always something fun going on in the city. And um, it's a, uh, it's a very creative uh, fun place to be, especially if you, want to work in the entertainment industry or just an entertainment period yeah plenty of opportunity uh, what i was going to say is um so as you said earlier within this uh episode you do have terror tunes for uh right now uh boiling in the pot getting ready to be released essentially 
and uh, you yeah. still need a little bit of, uh, you know, help with making making it what you want it to be. And uh, right. and it's a great opportunity for a lot of people. It sounds like to actually have a part in the film, but be a, be more active in it. And it's pretty awesome. It's that's that's a very humbling and blessing thing, blessed thing that you're doing. Uh, you know, uh, for people, uh, can you tell people a little bit more about what they need to do if they want to contact you, if they want to be a part of it? And also, where can they find more of your other uh, films and stuff? Oh, Airtunes 4 uh, is going to be the last of the franchise. And um, there's uh, um, some amazing things in the film. First of all, we have Brink Stevens. And you know, I don't know if you know who Brink Stevens is. Brink Stevens is a, is a, is a scream queen. She's been in over 200 movies. She actually makes her directorial debut in Terror Tunes 4. She directs a portion of the movie that she wrote, stars in, and directs. Uh, Linnea Quigley's in it from Return of the Living Dead. She's in I the like film. Linnea. So is Debbie Rashawn. Scream Queen. Yeah, Scream Queen Debbie Rashawn's in the movie. Uh, Billy Butler is in the film. He's the star of uh, 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 13 Part 7. And he's also uh, was the star in the remake of the 1990 version of Night of Living Dead. He's in the film. Uh, Lizzie Borden's in the film. Beverly Meadows from the original film, uh, from original Terrigens is in the movie. And um, basically, because it's the last in the franchise, I wanted to raise the funds to make sure that the climax of the movie is the quintessential look that we've always wanted Terratunes. So the original film, of course, was made for $2,300. And you know, we made the whole movie. We, we, we never truly achieved the Terratunes look that I wanted it to look like, which is basically like a Warner Brothers, a high-end Warner Brothers slick cartoon, Bugs Bunny cartoon, mixed with kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street. And so what we're trying to do is put together the funds to make sure that the completely polished, major motion picture look to it to finally give the audience to be in a real actual major Hollywood look. And uh, we're going to, we're going to pour all the money into the climax of the film. Uh, if you go to the Indiegogo campaign for Terror Tunes 4, you can have the opportunity to be in the climax of the film, to be like Hollywood looking uh, uh, fight sequence. Uh, you can design your own gore, gory kill in the movie. Uh, we even have one of the perks is to be decapitated on camera. And um, uh, we're going to make practical decapitated heads of the of them. You get a chance to oh, be in, to get decapitated, and then you get to keep the, the, the decapitated head uh, that I'm going to be making. Uh, there's all kinds of really crazy perks that you, you just won't get in another person's movie uh, that we have going on in this film. And, of course, there's... Uh, uh, the only way to get Terratunes 4 is going to be uh, to uh, purchase the perk uh, of the quadrilogy of the movie. So um, that's there as well. Uh, hey. uh, but uh, yeah, reach out to me on Facebook. Yeah, like I said, it's uh, facebook.com backslash joe.castro and uh, send me a message. And then the, what was the second question you had for me? It was about, what was the? Uh, I have short-term memory, so I don't remember. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, I was saying that it was good that you uh, are. Do That's pretty much it. That how can people reach out to you, and uh, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, be a part of that. And so you just told them, I appreciate it. I thank you for coming on the show, Brandon. Thanks you. Uh, it's been an honor uh, just to kind of yeah, chop it you, up with you. You're welcome. 
Uh, uh, well, yeah, I, it's been a great interview. Yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you conclude Brandon since I started off. You gonna let me? Well, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a true honor, true pleasure. I mean that hundred percent. Uh, I'm Brandon Spivey. I'm Aaron Whitlow. And we are the Markout Movie Podcasters. Thank you. Thank you.